Welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. I've had the most wonderful, wonderful news about my new program. What new program is that, sir? My Citizens on Patrol. I call it COP for short. Has a nice police earring to it, don't you think? The following review will contain spoilers and may contain strong language. So COPS is a community action program, sir. Like Neighborhood Watch? More. Much, much more. We show the community that we care. Volunteers in crime detection, in first aid, and 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 it's a great idea, sir. Today, as part of our throwback series, we'll be discussing Police Academy Four: Colon Citizens on Patrol, starring Steve Gutenberg. Mahomes. Been a long time, sir. Hmm, so it has. I never tell you you've got a great tailor, sir. Has anyone told you, Mahoney, that you are still a little pissant? No one whose opinion matters. Sharon Stone. Active in crime prevention? <laughs> Won't that be dangerous? No, no. We just want to teach citizens to prevent crimes from taking place. Bobcat Goldthwait. Regular human clothes make people more comfortable. Michael Winslow. You're improving, guys, but you're still way down at the food chain. As we vampires say, lights out, suckers. <laughs> George Gaines. Change community relations all around the world. On the side. And G.W. Bailey. Citizens doing police work. An asinine idea. If this goes through, no policeman's job, no policeman's paycheck will be seen. Directed by Jim Drake. Commandant, they say your Citizens on Patrol group does many, many wonderful and crazy things. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Rewind Movie Podcast. Don't you ever touch my balls without asking. It's Gally in Glasgow. Yummy, 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 yummy. It's everyone in London. Calling all donut chaps, citizens are patrol. It's Patrick in London. It's definitely gum. Bubble gum. Cherry, I think. <laughs> South Korea. Oh, welcome back, gang, and welcome back, listeners. Firstly, Happy New Year to all of you. Happy New Year, everyone. And to you. Welcome back. And my God, do we start 2024 as we mean to go on. Um, <laughs> so, so, we are doing Police Academy colon, uh, Police Academy 4, apologies, colon, Citizens on Patrol. Uh, don't need to do the rap after. We're also going to probably, what, talk widely about the series because good mm. chance this will be the last Police Academy that we discuss on the show, right? <laughs> I think we can cover it in one episode, yeah. Um, th- this is mad. This is an audacious pick. I think it's perhaps the most audacious since one of Patrick's musicals from the 50s. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we've talked about Jaws and The Exorcist. And now we're talking about Police Academy 4, colon, Citizens on Patrol. Uh, integrity, knowledge, courage. Literally none of these things apply to this film. But yeah, <laughs> uh, hopefully we have those three things. But um, I think this could have been number three back in training. Uh, it, they were almost level pegging at one point. And then five was always in the discussion, I think, because Hightower fights an alligator. And it's always a comfort viewing for me number five but i picked four it, it seems like a peculiar sort of arbitrary installment of any franchise to to pick to try and define it it'd be like chatting about rocky four or we just talked about the voyage home star trek uh, or a sudden impact or thunderball in reference to what the franchise is it wouldn't really work but for some reason um it's like the perfect police academy storm this one because 
first of all, it was always on TV, as far as I can remember. It might have been a Northern England thing, but I had it on video. I watched it a ton. Uh, people that I've spoken to remember this one for some reason, um, more than some of the others, even the original. And uh, I seem to remember them being on ITV a lot. Uh, another reason for picking this one was that it has the entire collection of recurring characters, everyone from Mahoney to Harris and all of the secondary characters, they're all in there. Plus Zed is in it. He's only in two, three, and four. So I had to pick one of them because he's my favorite character. Um, Jerry Seinfeld hates him, but I love him. Uh, <laughs> maybe not now, but in the 80s. Uh, also, this one represents the series as a whole really well, uh, and Sharon Stone's in it. Uh, so I've had this in my back pocket for a long time. I've had a blog about it since the Pee Wee Herman blog days, which is like four years ago, I think, now on the Rewind site. So I can finally unleash the blog. What URL do you think you'll be releasing that blog to? Just wondering <laughs> where on the internet someone uh, would find something oh, like that. Is it re rewindmoviecast.com forward slash yamma 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 yamma. <laughs> oh no, we went there uh, again. <laughs> no, it, it's uh, rewindmoviecast.com and uh, there'll be our entire backlog of uh, essays and introductions and merch and playlists and all of Devlin's wonderful, wonderful stuff. It's one of our resolutions, isn't it? That uh, people will read again. <laughs> so, uh, so we're going to be doing more, more blogs, uh, just a bit, yeah. a bit of a uh, real Timothy Spall there. <laughs> so uh, uh, during this podcast, feel free to ask uh, me or Devlin, probably what was the one with the bus boys on the jet skis or <laughs> what was the one when Mauser waxes off his eyebrows and we'll do our best to remember because they all do tend to blend a bit. Uh, I'll I'll hand over to Devlin next because he's been doing a ton of research. Uh, Devlin's almost from my neck of the woods, definitely mm -hmm. very close by. Did you have similar first experiences with it? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, we used to watch this a lot. And uh, you're right in that. Um, so the first film I remember pretty well, but most of my kind of mental kind of headcanon of the police academy series is very much a sort of smushed together grab bag like a sort of like one of those cheap corner shop plastic bags full of loose chicken parts and it's just full of little bits of mostly two three and four all just sort of mm. coagulating together in the bottom corner of the bag that's <laughs> that's how i like to think of these films i did dress as mahoney once for a, a movie soundtrack club night I had the the one in the oven shirt and a pair and a pair of denim cutoffs that I wore on my own on the tube to traverse London <laughs> on a Saturday night, which was a bold choice. Uh, and I won a little plastic statue for my commitment to the bit. So your favourite character? Uh, no, especially not after rewatch. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but he's the most recognisable outfit, and I, I just I always thought that shirt was was just such an odd choice. Uh, so yeah, no, I watched these fairly constantly when I was a kid, and whenever they turn up on TV, I'm always happy to see them. Um, watching them like intently, like with efforts to try and keep track of the actions that happen within an individual film, was like trying to catch a dream. <laughs> it was such a like such a futile task and i actually feel worse for it like i feel like i should never have gone so deep into these things i should have left them as a kind of hallucination because oh boy <laughs> um, so yeah i watched all seven for this 
with wow. a couple of rewatches in between. We salute you. Um, uh, how about you, Gally? I used to watch these with my dad. And my dad, you know, not from the UK, but from Greece, slight uh, loss in translation sometimes when we watch films. You know, I could never watch like Knocked Up or any kind of Judd Apatow um, or Anchorman with my dad because he'd just be like, I can't follow the dialogue. But, uh, you know, you can follow the actions. But stuff like this, happy days, instant pratfalls. You know, it's great. Um, it's why he liked Mr. Bean. You know, because it's just mm-hmm. like, well, I can follow the comedy and it's universal. Um, so I used to watch it quite a bit with my dad. I actually had Miami Assignment on VHS as well. Um, I don't know why that one. I don't know mm. why. It must just be the golf golf gag. It makes me so happy, that film. I can't explain why. I think it's the music. I really like the villain. I just remember it. I just like the fact that he was getting so really wound up because I felt it. Because he was just like, mm. I want to kill you, old man. Um, but yeah. <laughs> So I've seen them. I haven't seen them in a long time. Devlin, your description of trying to catch a dream, perfect. Because I'm managing expectations here, Matt, because I know that you've been sat on this for a while. But I think it might have made me less loving trying to watch it properly. <laughs> in a way, it, it's not and it's not meant to be watched properly. I wonder how people watched it in 1987 in the cinema, whether they were just like, oh, I'm just going to go for a poo. I'll be back in 20 minutes. <laughs> Don't worry. You can fill me in after. 20 minutes. They're only 80 minutes long. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to work out, like, would you watch it intently, like, going, oh, yeah, just just really can't wait for a high tower scene. Like, it's one of those kind of films, isn't it, mm. where it doesn't quite make sense. What about you, Patrick? But I, do, um, I, I certainly remember them, but I don't really remember the non-Gussenberg ones. I don't remember Assignment Miami Beach. And, and this time round, in prep for this, I only watched one to four. Um, funny enough, it, just kind of similarly to your, your dad, Gally. I watched it with two and three with my grandma. Oh, um, God, God love her. She doesn't recall much recently. But she was laughing along happily to all the, like you said, pratfalls and all the pranks. She was well on board with all that. You know, like that, that was thoroughly entertaining her. So I was having quite a decent time watching two and three with her. Um, I didn't watch one and four with her because of time and stuff. Um, I didn't watch five, six or seven. Um, I have, a, I don't know. I have a kind of vague feeling and a distant memory of watching the guy whose name I can't remember who seemingly replaced Gutenberg and thinking he's no Mahoney, you know, not thinking he was good enough. Matt McCoy, LA Confidential Zone. That's the guy. And I have a vague, something distant there about him. Uh, and yeah, it, I, if you'd asked me before I rewatched them to differentiate what happens in each of the four films mm. with Gutenberg, I would have got Police Academy uh two was it two with zed being the bad guy mm-hmm. yes i i recall that one the strongest with the cave okay. at the end and all of that yeah. that was the Jughead. strongest kind of <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i remember that more than any of the others and uh, but then you know like try and pick a blue oyster bar scene out of each <laughs> of them. That's and, uh, for me i still don't know which one i mean it's most of them isn't it but the one yeah. the blue oyster scene in this film looks like it could have been filmed in your local pub and they've just put some tinsel <laughs> at the front of the door that's it i mean it's I like the music the music's very funny yeah it has the least setup in this one as well <laughs> yeah, i'm looking for a salad bar that's yeah. it <laughs> i have had though it's like it's like the i didn't do it kids when he's like i am waiting for a bus <laughs> I have had a director though give me a brief, and I was like, "How do you want these people dressed in this place?" Like, he just turned to me and went, "Blue Oyster Bar." 
So I have had that as a reference point on a set before. Um, I, I will say I don't think I've seen these for a strong 20 years or so. Well, Matt, I think it would be beneficial for us to contextualize the Police Academy series, define what it is, because as a, yes, broad comedy, but... You know, is it under the sex comedy? Is it, uh, is it, uh, well, I'm just trying to think of it. Is it a sitcom? I don't know why we've gone on it, but it's, if you've ever heard the interview where he does Total Recall, that the genre of that film is all of them. Um, so it's great. Uh, so yeah, why don't we define Police Academy series and also maybe discuss the wider cultural successes? Literally a kind of how and why did this thing succeed in get made so what, what are we saying well a while ago i made a list i made a usb for my friend um shane uh and, and they were all sex comedies going back to i think the first one on the list was uh private lessons and then porkies because i felt like porkies is probably where all that stuff sort of began but there was there's obviously some other clues into police academy with films like uh, animal house and uh, I think it's Meatballs and uh, Stripes was the other one. Those, that, that Bill Murray stuff that was going on. Uh, Caddyshack could be another link in. But again, it's already strange because I didn't include those films in the sex comedy. So already we've skewed into two different, slightly different genres there. So I've got Night Shift, Fast Times, Losing It, Private School, Risky Business, Hard Bodies, Bachelor Party, Revenge of the Nerds, the Sure Thing, Private Resort, Weird Science, Fraternity Vacation, and then there's nothing until American Pie. So I feel like those first, like the 80, 70, late seventies into the eighties, they informed part of it. Do you mind me asking why you didn't why you didn't add the the one the titles previous? What 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 in your mind made it go? Actually, these are not. Is it just what they were aiming at? Because obviously, the titles that you read out, they've mm. got kind of some form of sexual innuendo or ex kind of implicit sexual content within. Yes. Whereas, let's say, I don't know, a Stripes or something like that. It's not exactly... Nothing gets, sexual. like, egregiously sort of um, dirty until Porky's. Is it the leeriness? There's, there's, the, the, yes, the, the, there's bits in Caddyshack that you could argue, but I don't think Caddyshack is a sex comedy. There's too many old people in it for a start. It doesn't really <laughs> work. <laughs> Yeah. And there's a gopher in it. It's odd. There's a dancing gopher. But I I just, I don't know why. I think Private Lessons was the technically the first in my list. But Porky's is the one that everyone remembers. Mm. For some have reason. you even seen it? I, I don't think I've even seen Porky's. It, it, oh, it's it's a bit nasty. They get nastier as well. There's three of them. And they, mm. they just get, uh, what was the word you just used? That was better than Leary. Yes. Yeah, a little Leary. bit. Leary. Mm. Um, uh, lascivious, a bit, a bit sort. Of, there's lots of spying on people in showers, and and you get a bit of that with Mahoney, don't you, with his mm. uh, Budweiser, and he's looking at the girls in the in, in, yeah. in the showers. But that's as far as it goes with sex stuff, isn't it? There's flirting, and the next thing I thought was, is it a spoof? Because there's, I, I wouldn't classify it as a spoof, but it's almost sketches, isn't it? It's like back to back. Uh, well, this is post sketches. airplane and police squad, so there, there was call for that kind of thing. Police squad, I think, has an interesting take on it, which is that um, the 
the juxtaposition between the characters taking the situations very seriously and looking as if they should be there. Leslie Nielsen doesn't look out of place in a show like that because he spent his entire career making shows like that with a completely straight face. The guy who plays um, his captain is a different actor in the TV series, also looks like a legitimate TV cop actor, but it's the, the things they are saying are mad and there's mad visual jokes going on in the background, but everything is played straight with these absurd elements. But I think like something like police Academy falls in much more with animal house, which is unlikely characters in a setting. And then the anarchic shenanigans, same with Caddyshack. What are these, what are these lunatics doing in a country club? My gosh, you know, um, it's wackier, isn't it? Like, yeah. You'd never say the Naked Gun films or Airplane are wacky. They're not wacky. Kind of maybe by the time you get to thirty-three and a third, they're, they're getting okay. Gets yeah, a lot you're right. Over. There's a whole sequence there where Anna Nicole Smith has got a willy. Yeah, you're right. That is a bit wacky. But <laughs> you know, there's a there's a whole yeah. They're not. I don't know. It, for me, it was about like Devlin said. It was about let's take a bunch of characters, uh, that are an unlikely set of characters, and put them. Not actually, not even characters, are they? Just kind caricatures. of uh, caricatures and put them in a situation where, in a police uniform, they ought to be what you know this, but they're they're not. And then the people that are that are also like robot house. So it's uh, you know, that's the <laughs> yeah, that's Captain the, Harris, they, right? They call it like the slobs versus snobs dynamic, and I think that right. it's interesting that so many of the precursors for it came from the National Lampoon's um, stable. That, mm. you know, Caddyshack was, Animal House was. Um, Stripes, I don't think, was officially a National Lampoon production, but it is Harold Ramis and, and Bill Murray who came yeah. out of National Lampoons. Mm. Um, what's really interesting is I think that so much of their comedy comes from the fact that they were these vaguely countercultural but generally wealthy young white guys who kind of infiltrated a comedy scene that was kind of dying out. There was the the comedy scene before they came in in the late seventies was probably still very like upstate New York kind of old school you know uh, uh, no disrespect to Mel Brooks because he's brilliant but like the old school Mel Brooks Carl Reiner kind of generation and these guys came in and they they but most of their comedy was based around stuff they found funny while writing for magazines at Harvard. And it's a bit snarky as well, isn't it? Yeah. That's a whole, mm. you know, it is kind of like a bit like... There's, there's no kind of fire behind the comedy. It's not like, let's tear it down because we're infiltrating. It's more like, let's tear it down because we're vaguely bored. And um, which, which is, I guess, also kind of means that there's not, much of a, there's not much of a spoof to it because it's not like it's trying to sort of detonate the facade of... Um, uh, the way that people treat the police these days would be quite controversial to make a comedy about the police because you have to take into account like how society views them now. Yeah, yeah, it's a very different space now, aren't we? As a as a force which wields like an extraordinary amount of power, and people have started to question upon whose behalf is that power enacted. Whereas back then it was just like it's funny to watch a cop get ketchup on his bum. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine. I haven't seen. I think I've seen one Carry On film, but I can imagine there's probably sketches where there's an old beat cop with an old wooden baton swirling it around, and then someone puts a custard pie in their face because it's like yeah, Keystone Cops, isn't it? That's yeah, the, the earliest stuff in silent cinema. Yeah, so you, that, and that that would work as a gag, 
30, 40 years ago. It's inherently good good comedy to take somebody who has societally got a high status and to bring them down low. They've been doing it since the vaudeville era. You know, a, a posh old a posh old woman with the little um, the little opera glasses gets a pie in the face. That's... Or the mean old lady in Gremlins gets flown out of a window. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So do you think it's aware of what it is and what it's doing? Because later on, Critics Corner, uh, one of our favorites mentioned Private Benjamin and uh, a a YouTube video that I watched earlier with a guy we'll we'll talk about later uh, mentioned Top Gun as part of this this thing that they're all training to do something. And it's all fun and games until there's a real world exercise at, at the end, which is another. It's more Sergeant Bilko. I think the Top Gun comparison is just purely structural. It's, mm. I don't think there's anything other than that. And actually, we discussed it in our Top Gun episode. Top Gun is a sports movie. This is not a yeah. sports movie. It's just the structure of they're in training and then they have to do a real life. Yeah, fair enough. That's a right. an, an apt comparison. But I don't think there's any kind of like meaning or insight in that it's literally just like how do we structure because it's called police academy so we don't want them to be in the academy for like two seconds and Mm -hmm. then shit gets real you want them to be and and all the fun stuff is in the training because you're you're plucking these people that are like you know have got it's the right stuff isn't it but but Mm. with it's the wrong stuff. The right stuff (laughs) interesting that that would be from producer paul maslansky he was Uh producing he was producing that when he came up with the idea for this. I just think that Animal House was such a massive hit. Yeah. Like if you watch like those documentaries about National Lampoon and stuff, and they just talk about like it was just ridiculous how profitable Animal House was. It was absurd, and everyone wanted to copy it. And this is what five, six years later, right? And they were still doing it, and and it hit. This was one. This is one that caught on. But of course, we got this is Police Academy four. What one, two, and three must have done well in the box office and oh, successfully, right? Nineteen eighty four Police Academy on a budget of four point five million dollars made one hundred and fifty million dollars. Holy that is outrageous! Shit. That is outrageous. Police Academy two, their first assignment on a budget of only seven and a half million, made one hundred and fifteen million dollars. Whoa. Back in training, budget went up to 12, but take was still 108 million. So all of the first three films cleared 100 mil in, in, in mid-80s money. Citizens, um, budget 17, box office 77. Still very profitable, but falling. Assignment Miami Beach, 14 mil budget, 54 take. Uh, City Under Siege, 15 mil budget and a take of only 33, which is Ooh. when they put the series dormant. But that comes to a total of $70 million spent for a take of $537 million across six Yeesh. films. We don't talk about... What did Mission to Moscow do? Uh, budget 10, <laughs> box office 126 grand. <laughs> what? You, you, oh, no. you have been first off there, 126. I thought you meant, I thought, wow. Yeah. yeah. 94, obviously, it was, yeah. Killed, oh, killed the goose. Exactly. Let yeah. sleeping dogs lie. That's really dreadful. You know what it does speak speak to? You know, because we, uh, and it's actually interesting because Patrick said, you know, the Gutenberg police academies. One mm. thing in revisiting them as an, as an adult, because as a kid, I don't know. Maybe inherently, some subconsciously, you sometimes get drawn to a star, but it's normally a character who's normally just the protagonist. Whoever's playing that character could be could be Joe Bloggs. It doesn't really matter as such because you haven't got a wider, you know, kind of awareness of the kind of the star star power and tears in in like a Hollywood sense or in a kind of filmic sense. 
Um, so you really just follow a protagonist. It's interesting you said the Gutenberg police academies because what I watching them, he's barely in them. Mm. He's certainly barely in in the one we're going to discuss in 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 detail, which is Citizens on Patrol. And actually, the films themselves don't require an anchor. The the anchor is almost like just the premise. The setup is 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 the anchor, and everything else is just skits. Because like the reason why you can make it for four and a half million and then seven and a half million, okay, it might go up because returning actors will ask for a you know a wee bit more money. But mm. none of these people are stars. But by by the time they get to four, I don't think Mahoney's a, a huge. He's not an mm. essential piece of it, but but they they treat him with such reverence, like the mm. way he. Lassard when he goes Mahoney, I was like, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to build up the legend of Mahoney the without ever child, really yeah. it. And yeah. at the end, it's like, uh, uh, oh, look, Mahoney, there's Mahoney's in the balloon. <laughs> yeah, when Zed and says that, I'm like, Zed, yeah. Zed said a word to What does he care? Yeah. I'd be like, Tackleberry's your man. Right, he's, yes. he's main um, dude. Do you remember uh, <laughs> from the first three, you had uh, Fackler, the very mm-hmm. clumsy guy who... Yep. Uh, yeah, accident-prone slapstick... Um, has he been replaced by Sweet Chuck in this? Because Sweet, I got them mixed up. He's the thin one who had the wife, and it's very funny in the first one when he's trying to get away from it. That is a good. That is a good. Funny um, he was supposed to be in it, but uh, couldn't come to terms because they did not want to pay them more money, and that mm. just speaks to the fact that it's like, you know, you were saying like the <laughs> the, the film is the thing, so the budget rises slightly, but they know that they're worth and that they know that right. Like, well, this film is not going to do well because of Fackler. So if you want more money. <laughs> He comes back in six, and they give him a proper hero's welcome. It's like he gets mm. a, a whole reintroduction sequence at the at the at the the kind of the, the situation room. It's like right. Backler's back, and mm. which is just such a strange thing because but, so culturally, it reminded me a little bit of the the kind of the gags in Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant's extras series, where you know he wants to make this. I'm not saying that they wanted to make Police Academy as this like really insightful. Uh, police spoof where we're actually going to come away with some kind of deep meaning, but it in in when the whistle blows, I'll just put the wind, when the W blows, when the W blows, <laughs> just w- wind, wind, no whistle, wind anyway, wind. when when it, when that series get when that series gets eaten up by the <laughs> the big bad studio, which in this case is the BBC, can kind of get co opted and then be something that you didn't mm. intend to be. Anyway, it becomes one-liners and there's cart- there's the t-shirts and there's figures. The leaks, the catchphrases, everything. everything. Yeah. Is Police Academy essentially <laughs> the film series of that kind of path? Like, were mm. the t-shirts that had, like, Fackler or Zed or whatever? <laughs> Do you know? I don't I don't know, but Hightower wears a dress and a wig and, and sits on that park bench, doesn't he? <laughs> he, does, yeah. he does look like E.T. Uh, when Drew Barrymore dresses E.T. Could you put little pop t-shirts that they're wearing during basketball? Mm. Mm. I, don't, I don't know. Her. It just felt like, like you say, Devlin, it goes beyond who's in the suits, like who's mm. in the uniform, like who cares? Like who yeah. who cares who the love interest is? It's a bit James Bondy mm. in that respect. It's like Sharon Stone, you're replaced by this blonde model who has got four lines too. Look, look Sharon Stone does good work here, considering she's got nothing to do. <laughs> um, but, you know, that, it, the only one that I'm like, oh, I would root for is Lassard. I love Lassard. And I like yeah. Proctor. 
I mean, dare, dare <laughs> yeah. I say I like Proctor and Harris. They're my a, a three. This Academy film without Proctor is unacceptable to me now. I'll, I'll, I'll revisit <laughs> the ones with him in because he's, he's yeah. great. Yeah. Always ends up naked somewhere. But is that is that is that what it is? Is it just that you can substitute, you can literally plug and play? Do you think that they knew it, the wheels were falling off and they were like, well, you can come back if you want, but this might be the last one of these we do. We're just going to... We're just going to go for it again and see if these suckers fall for it. And they just kept falling for it all, all the way. <laughs> that is the ideal description of the sequel process in this, which is like, they could not believe their fucking yeah. luck. They wanted <laughs> yeah. to smash and grab, maybe spend 10, maybe make 20, 25, get, a couple, get a, uh, uh, some cable TV rights, maybe a bit of mm-hmm. video sales. And the fact that it was a fucking massive, massive hit was like, do another one. Do another one. <laughs> yeah, but not only do another one, but like the years that they were released, 84, 85, 86, yeah. 88, like it was bang, 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 yeah. year after year. That's the problem with seven because there were consecutive years, mm. one every year up until then. And then there was a, a, a gap and seven was like this uh, runt of the litter that came yeah. much later. <laughs> well, in, I'm going to put it in the show notes for listeners that want to kind of deep go deeper into the, the kind of the making of the sequels, et cetera, et cetera. But um, I'm going to just I'm just going to read out um, a quote from this article from the LA Times that was written back in 19 I think it was 1987, um, and there's a quote here from one of the producer of Police Academy, uh, and it says uh, it, it goes here quote um, some guys at the studio when we go into a picture movie just want to hear these jokes. We had a very discouraging meeting where the brass of a large studio wanted to hear only the five big jokes. We went in <laughs> with what we thought was a touching story. Proft and I were outraged when they told us, don't worry about the plot. Don't worry about the characters. Just get down to the jokes. They wouldn't even listen to the story. And this was, this was so this, he'd already made Police Academy. This is the producer, Malinsky. He'd already made it. He made the sequel and he's got up to four at this point. And at this point, he was like, I could just go in and pitch them anything as long as it had two or three big gags. And that was all they were after. One thing I took away from the rewatch now is the set pieces at the end, which are action set pieces. And I thought that that had a... I wondered if that's a key part of any Police Academy film. They all have very similar things. The first Mm. one is the riot. Uh, Second one would be Zed's hideout. Yeah. Yeah, And then three is... Uh, the jet skis, jet skis and then four yeah. is the hot air balloons five mm. is the everglades uh fan boat chase what is six it's like uh... six is the cherry picker um bigfoot monster truck uh uh-huh. chase of the of the wilson heights gang yeah okay. the terminator yeah. three chase yeah. yeah yeah seven can fuck itself I don't <laughs> yeah yeah but, but but interesting because you know we talked about like Porky's and kind of, you know, those kind of sex comedies, they're defined by one one or two scenes. And actually, yeah. I would say Police Academy, even though it's always very, very swift, for me, I, I always remember the Blue Oyster stuff because mm-hmm. it's the same gag. It's they walk in, yeah. they go, uh-oh. They get grabbed. The music, ki- the the music needle drop happens, and they dance. And then by the they, when you cut back, I mean they don't do it in this one. But when they cut back, they're actually softly embrace into something that's like a slow dance. That's the gag every single time. I, I think it's a third one when Hightower goes in and kicks some people out and then they all follow after him, which I did find quite funny. This might be a good time to just talk about the 
repeated or the repetitive structure of of this particular franchise. I'm gonna, I'm going to try and break it down, and this might help with story time too because I don't really know how you're going to do story time for this. <laughs> but it, it'd be like an episode of the Fast Show or something. Uh, like the, the the majority of the Police Academy films have this uniformity to them, and they're almost identically structured. There's a bit of bullshit lead-in text uh, which opens it. Uh, with a some kind of a thematic tie into the story over the cityscape, and then you've got the da 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 da, and you've got the classic score, and then there's some kind of a recruitment process, um, and uh, the the hero always meets um, uh, the love interest as well, always at this point, whether it's Mahoney or Tackleberry or Nick, it's always the same, and uh, I'm sure if we did time comparisons, it would be like time coding, it would be very similar too. Um, and about this time, um, Harris or Mauser, who are alternating antagonists, we talked about characters or actors not coming back to the franchise for, for reasons of, of, you know, financial reasons. And I think that's probably what happened with G.W. Bailey. I'm not too sure he objected to something. It's up to you who you prefer. It's Beatles versus the Stones, you know, but um, I'm more of a Harris Harris guy and then there's some kind of a training montage with these vignette sketches uh, and and they're separated by these spinning tile transitions always the same and then what gradually builds that there's this this attempt to discredit the new recruits and then what inevitably happens is there's a re, you know uh, an exercise becomes the real world and they have to negotiate whatever it, we just discussed all the final closing action acts and in that act something uh serious happens someone gets kidnapped or they have to be rescued and then the idiots turn into the to the heroes and then we always end on a a medal presentation ceremony very star wars like that isn't it yeah yeah somebody gets promoted (laughs) or somebody gives a speech and there's usually a freeze frame at the end and and that's that's your lot you know that's what you usually get in in any of these films oh well very very good well i think we've contextualized it enough um now listeners obviously slightly different structure for this episode noting that we've kind of ran ran the gambit on the series ish kind of contextualized what it is still haven't really defined it it made money is what we've defined Mm. um now it's time to get into Police Academy 4, colon, Citizens on Patrol. But before we do, we're going to give uh, Patrick the unenviable task of trying to condense each skit <laughs> into some form of plot. So I'm expecting Patrick, five good gags in here, Patrick. Yes. I, I, don't, I don't care about the characters. <laughs> I don't care about the plot. I just want five big jokes. That's it. So, um, yeah, Patrick, would you please remind us and the listeners of the so-called plot... A police Academy for colon citizens on patrol. Wonderful, wonderful news about Commandant Lassard's new program. Idea Citizens on Patrol. Recruiting civilian volunteers to work side by side with. Captain Harris thinks this program is a mistake, as Mahoney, Zed, Hightower, Jones, Hooks, Callahan, and Sweetchuck start recruiting and training volunteers. Captain Harris makes efforts to arrest two skateboarding delinquents, Kyle and Arnie, but Mahoney intervenes at their hearing, suggesting they serve as citizens on patrol as an alternative punishment. Harris is far from happy and vows to thwart the programme, and as chance would have it, is put in charge as Lassard leaves for an overseas conference. But the training is going well, with everyone bonding and uh, finding a love interest in volunteer Laura... (laughs) 
after Callahan's nipply water safety class. They prank Harris with mace and helium and the infamous Blue Oyster Bar for being such a douchebag. Mrs. Feldman spots some suspicious behaviour, a fencing operation, and calls the troops in, but has accidentally foiled an apparent undercover police sting. Harris is furious and relishes in suspending the CIP programme, but Lassard has just got back with his international colleagues to show them the precinct. Lieutenant Proctor is tricked by some of the inmates who steal his keys and escape. Mrs. Feldman again witnesses and makes amends by informing Lassard and the gang and the volunteers to move into action and catch the escaped felons by land and by air. The volunteers excel alongside the police, unlike Harris and Proctor, who are useless, and Mahoney captures the leader of the gang in front of Lassard's colleagues, who congratulate him and his programme. Move it, move it, move it! <laughs> very, very good. Where to start? Should we start with the opening rap? Just because, you know, <laughs> the film does. We got crashes. Calling all donut shops. <laughs> <laughs> we got a mugger in an alley and a junkie named Sally. Mm. <laughs> Citizens on patrol, troll, troll. <laughs> <sighs> Gutenberg's face. Oh, you just want to punch it straight away, don't you? <laughs> I've been trying to contextualize my, my Gutenberg this week. I've been watching Three Men and a Baby and Three Men and a Little Lady just to see what was going on in the Guten, Gutenverse around this time. Because <laughs> he was big, like Cocoon is one. Short yeah, Circuit. And Short yeah. Circuit one. Mm. Uh, yeah, and he, he's not really intolerable in some of those films. but in They in, weaponize him better in those movies, especially Cocoon. Do. If I remember Cocoon, he's, he's, he's almost playing like, I don't know, he's not every man. He's like a whole, yeah, he's like a wholesome kind of dude. And yeah. What he's not is a douche. The, yeah. the, the problem with this is he's a douche, but we're supposed to be like, <laughs> he's so <laughs> smug and sleazy throughout yeah. the whole thing. But well, if you look at his Instagram now, it's it's quite shocking how pleasant he is. He's a he's a lovely, Ooh. positive, positive. In the chef. first film, though, I, th- I do think he has an arc. Like that smug and uh, sleaziness comes into a bit more for mm. the team. You know, as an individual yeah. that becomes a team player. He, yeah, and, and he. The thing is, that, like, all of his shenanigans and bullshittery in the first film had a point because he was trying to get kicked out. So every time there's, like, mm. a prank, it's like the first film had an in-universe explanation for why he was being such a dick. But then all the subsequent films, it's like, well, we have to keep doing that. They love that. Do you Get think he, when he asks uh, Kim Cattrall to, to show him her thighs, he's doing it for that reason, though, or is he doing it because he's a creep? He's a creep. <laughs> In the eighties, that would have seen as like, yeah. I tell you what, he is he is we're wiser sp- than than I. We're supposed, <laughs> to li- we're supposed to like him because of sexual harassment and homophobic slurs, and I find that that is such a bizarre summation. In part two, he he wrangles a, a balloon animal into his trousers when he's getting measured. Oh yeah, when he's getting measured. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's one of those where, of course, a, a, a distillation of uh, of attitudes and and what was acceptable and what was funny. Um, but it's, I think, a better, more charismatic, likable screen presence may very well have pulled this kind of shtick off. Or maybe is he too nice for it, and thus it comes off as worse? And he's too old find... for it in this. The problem yeah. with the, the shenanigans in this is it's, as I say, I refer back to my Futurama favourite <laughs> episode of Robot House. But, or or the Robot Homer House. goes to 
Robot, robot house, house? <laughs> or when Homer goes to college and it's like your bra bomb had better work no longer <laughs> Steve Gutenberg is like 48 in this and he just yeah. you know super glue in a, a, you know a megaphone with toothpaste you're a bit too old for that same with you're a bit too old for going Do, what's his opening line to Sharon Stone it's just something like I can write stuff if you want to speak no it's know, about it's adopting him crap. like the dog if, would yeah. you, would you, I'm housebroken. I'm housebroken. Oh, house oh, yeah. <laughs> was it charming and endearing? And did women love it back then? He has another because he does so. He has so few, but he has one other line, which is when Tackleberry is talking about his gun and talking about how it has to become a quivering extension of yourself, or whatever. And then he just turns and says, "I look for the same in a woman." It's like, that was the joke. That was the joke, Mahoney. He does have one good joke, which Tackleberry takes off a mask and he says, you can take off your mask now, mate. <laughs> that one works. My, my, mm. I was very delighted when we had His the, work. when we had the balloon, <laughs> we had the balloon scene right at the end that they, they just chink and then laugh. There is no kiss or embrace. Yeah, no I was kiss. like, thank fucking God that Sharon Stone said, I'm not kissing him. <laughs> you get your yeah. get out of town. Yeah. <laughs> like they just—it's almost like bosom buddies. I was like, thank God, because he's been leering mm. over her for the three scenes that they've had. That's <laughs> it. Uh, but I'm glad yeah. that she just went. No, 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 no. It cuts just before she says, "Look, I'm not really interested." It's a bit at the beginning, Matt. I don't know why this has just come to me when um, Lassard gets the golf ball <laughs> and he, he goes to Sweet Trick. Thank you, my child. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just for one-liners that's my it's a great yeah. one the actor who plays the song i think that's why i love the fifth one is because he is so George he plays Games. so yeah he plays he plays gentle old man mm. who's oblivious yeah. to everything so well yeah. and in this he does it even when he's in the golf cart and he just goes get in as soon as yeah, that, it's, there's been it's a, there's been there's been levels of i can't <laughs> do anything else now i don't think he did anything that, that i can remember i don't remember seeing him in anything where he's not <laughs> so can you explain this one gag to me is it just that he forgets what his program is or has someone spiked him? I must have missed oh, it. Cause, okay. Or is this a recall to the first one when he's getting fellatioed? Yeah, he needs quite... to tell him what it is and it looks like he's straining, <laughs> like he's booed his pants. I want to welcome all of you to the Academy. You are part of a new and exciting program that I call, I call... Cop. Citizens on Patrol. Citizens on Patrol. Citizens on patrol! Citizens on patrol. You will work and train with the police. The police will work and train with you. Working and training. Training and working. No, but it, I think the idea is that, yeah, he's he's so forgetful that he's forgotten the name of it. But when Zed feeds him the line and he does it in his Zed way, that's Lassard. He's so thick <laughs> that he can... <laughs> yeah, he has to ape his pronunciation. There we go. There we go. This film is too smart for me. I am out. Team, enjoy the rest of the review. Because <laughs> every character just deteriorates throughout the course of the... Like, Proctor starts off as, like, kind of a dickhead. And by mm -hmm. the end of it, he is... He's a full idiot. He's like, he needs a full-time carer. He shouldn't be looking after himself. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, he, he becomes endearing because he's a, he's the um, fall guy. The comic fall guy, maybe. Yeah, the, yeah. And, and we feel for him at some point where he's naked and he's, he can't get in. And he, he's... <laughs> 
<laughs> but that, that, that one's like that one's very funny when he's running around the hotel and then he has to run around the town with a trash can on his dick. <laughs> yeah, the best line there is when he just looks at someone and he goes, "Warm tonight," because <laughs> he's not wearing <laughs> any clothes. But yeah. the uh, yeah, the, the the throwback to this one where he gets revealed at the Gator Bowl in uh, in front of an entire college. That's a lot of effort crowd. for that gag, isn't it? That that yeah, the gag doesn't years. really. Yeah, yeah, that's that's juice squeeze territory of not being worth You don't it. see the players. You want to see the players yeah. looking. Well, yeah, you want him to get tackled. Yeah. Let's say the ball lands in his hands and then he gets smashed. That's kind of yeah. like, I don't know. You want something Where were you more in 87, just... Gally? We needed you. Yeah, I don't know. I was I was three and I was still trying to work out why Lassard was straining. <laughs> no, um, so yeah, Gutenberg, I think, is a bit of a, a busted flush at this point in this film. I can, and actually, as I say, it's interesting that Patrick it, you and I think you're not the only one because I was the same. Which is like, you know, the police academy just these aren't worth the fucking shit once Gutenberg's gone. But when you go back and you go, actually, the first one he's like kind of he's kind of our protagonist ish. Mm. He's mm. the one that we follow the most. But in this one, it's Zed, it's Tackleberry, and it's Mrs. Feldman. You know, mm. yeah. even Sweet Chuck just kind of disappears and then turns up again. And you're like, oh, were you best mates with Zed? Because I forgot. I did write, like, they, they introduced so many characters and there's some that are overlooked that are already established, like Hook, for example. Hook barely gets a look in and she's good character. And she made it onto the cartoon as well. I, I was trying to note down all the characters that made it into the cartoon because I thought they, they worked the best, perhaps on some level, as archetypes. Like uh, even House from this one, who's a new character, just a fat bloke, but he makes it into the cartoon. Well, apparently uh, the the negotiations to make the cartoon happen simultaneous with this film, and that's why Fackler deciding yeah. to not come back for financial reasons ended oh, up it cost him because long run his character mm. ended up not being adapted. And I imagine that no residual oh, just got a, right. they got a little they did get a little bump, you know, for yeah. for their characters being adapted into the show. Can we talk about Hightower in this? So he's got his yeah. his angry locker room scene, which yeah. is like fine, yep, yeah, super strong, get it. Um <laughs> there's the there's basketball the feet of strength. Yeah, there's a basketball gag where, you know, he smashes the cement and is also able to, to dunk um, without jumping, which is good. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, his knees were fucked. He was an NFL player, so they could not film him jumping oh. because he literally cut <laughs> that, That's gaffer tape uh, wrapped around those those joints. Um, but the... Now, I don't know how you delicately approach the Rastafarian gag voodoo <laughs> stuff. And I'm going to struggle as I discuss <laughs> Predator <this>. 2. <laughs> I mean, we are in Willy. Willy territory, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm seeing? The eyes of the demon. And did it come, Carlin? It's a, it's a strange one. It's a strange one. If only because he's willing. Everyone's willing. Everyone's up for the gag. But what, what I found most interesting is I watch the behind the scenes because if you go on YouTube, I mean, YouTube can be a beneficial thing. Because it's essentially mm. replaced hard media for the the you know special features. There's a there's a, like a 15 minute making of of each one, and the one for this one, I mean, God bless the director. I think he he's he's clearly like quite an intellectual dude. He's talking about improv, and he's talking about this scene, and he's like, yeah, you know, the good thing about these cast these actors is that you can kind of give them the the stuff that's on the page, and then they'll just build on it. What they built on was Hightower going, yammer, yammer, yammer. Whatever the fuck he's doing. And like, and what he's talking about it in the making of, and he's like, you know, it was just 
it's golden. I saw that bit. He said, the, the script just says he chants, but he came mm. up with that all by himself. <laughs> it's, it's one word. <laughs> no, it's very uh, still and boring, yeah. The gags that they pull, all of the gags, it makes sense when they are doing, th- like, the Harris gag, as not as much as it's, you know, pretty hackneyed and they've done it before, sticking a megaphone to him means that he, they get him out of the way of the pool party that he was ruining by being a dick. This one, they put all this work in, they get a chainsaw and a hockey mask and a van and a wig. All, all because the kids think that they've mastered the art of being yeah. a, a cop. It's not doesn't quite equate, does it? When it comes to the gag writing, this is where you can tell that we're in... Yeah, these are TV comic gag writers. Yeah. These things were supposed to be busted out once and never thought about again. Well, there, there are cheap jokes in this, though, that, that, that I found. And Matt Astor's offline, like... What jokes don't work for you? What jokes do, you know, at the time? But, all, but also, what what do you find unironically funny? Is there anything that you, uh, that you've, I mean, Patrick likes the bit where he says you can take the mask off now. I think it's more charming, Matt, that bit. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, you know, it's comfort joke. But there are jokes in it I found quite cheap and just, I, it didn't quite work for me. Like, there's loads of bird poo at one point and it's just yeah. bird poo for bird poo's sake. Yeah. And he walks into the shower and it's weird. All the Harris stuff that isn't pranks against him, I kind of didn't find as funny as the pranks. Like when he, he go, when he goes on the fence and it shakes and he falls, I'm like, okay, great. When he walks into the shower and he gets wet, <laughs> I'm like, okay, great. You know, it's just tormenting Harris. But yeah. when the pranks that are aimed against him, I'm actually quite on board with and find them quite mm. funny. Mm. Oh, there's that fucking moronic skateboarder who. who revs that bike up and goes into oh, no, the we pool. we don't like him. Yeah, it's just, it's just a shit joke. It is a shit. It leads to some funny Zed moments, but... I think it comes down to literally not being settled. When Harris goes into the water with the balloon, he says, he shouts like it's an ADR line, I hate water. You've got to set that up! Like, (laughs) in in the beginning of the film, like, have him sort of say, you know, my one thing... Do it at the pool or something. Is Yeah, yeah, is... Water is my enemy or something. That, that's where Zucker, Abrams and Zucker will yeah. always win these things hand down is that they pack every frame with all this stuff. So yes. there are things going on in the background of gags, uh, especially in Police Squad. Some of the stuff in Police Squad is just so dense. And yeah. uh, so you've yeah. got the wordplay up front. You've got visual jokes behind it. So you can kind of go back. And But this is all just there. The bit where he changes the right guard. Is it right guard spray for Mace? Mm. Even that shot is step frame because yeah. they haven't quite managed to capture what they're supposed to articulate in the shot properly. There's not enough forethought. I watched uh, uh, Airplane recently, Dev, and it's exactly what you just said. There's so much thought. I actually thought to myself, the effort that went in just to one second, just to throw away one second gag that they put the effort in, that's not present here. The cheap gags that get me, Matt, because I'm a simpleton, is I like old people doing funny things that they can't really do. So even though I know it's a stump person, when Mrs. Feldman Mrs. smashes Feldman. through the window in a, in a motorbike, I know yeah. it's not here, but the idea well, of that... You can see it's a yeah, man. The idea it's a, that it's, it's a here, large man. The idea that it's here makes me laugh. And it's basically the stuff that makes me laugh in like The Wedding Singer. It's just old yeah. person doing stuff yeah. that Corey is Corey Feldman's grandma is amazing. Yeah, yeah. it's just mm. that's all it is. Um, yeah. I know she's a rucker it is, of course, from Home Alone. The McDangly oh, ones. But even, you know, there's a dinner sequence at the beginning, right at the beginning when they're doing the recruitment, and it feels so isolated from anything else. Oh, Tackleberry's in-laws. And his wife. Because yeah. his wife's not been in 
it wasn't in the last film in three, I don't think. She just comes out of nowhere. Yeah, she. they met in two. They mm. met on the first assignment and they got married at the end. But yeah, I don't remember her. Appearance. But that feels like a scene that could have been in a National Lampoon's film, but would have had mm. some connective tissue. That was the yeah. thing. It comes yeah. out of nowhere, goes away straight away. But does yeah. the dad go on to volunteer? No. So what's no. the... And you don't see the brother as well. Like, yeah. Uh, it's it's so it, it feels like either they had a thing and they just cut it out or punching is funny. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it just, just yeah <laughs> for me, there's lots of gags like that where they don't even work in the moment. Yeah, let alone as a as a as an as a in totality as a piece. This is really interesting because Ebert uh, later on Ebert goes on about how scenes just end without a punchline, mm. and you're saying that the scenes aren't even set up. So <laughs> what what is the scene in a police academy? There's no beginning or end. It's just a yeah. thing that exists for a while and then ends. And my my favorite part of the film, hands down, is um, Zed's burgeoning relationship with Corinne Bora. Mm-hmm. Likewise, who, um, yeah. is is. Uh, um, I'll try not to get too weird. Oh, she's beautiful. How attractive she is. Yeah. So Mahoney's on the call. Excuse me. They are in a completely <laughs> different film with a completely different style of comedy. The yeah, little yeah. bit, the little uh, chat that they have after oh, after the the Mickey watch. You know, as a nurse, pretty clear. As a as a jerk, and then the way that she, that she like says jerk, and she jumps every time he does one of his spasms. That it's, that's yeah, really yeah. funny. It might be the most funniest bit in it though is when he comes <laughs> comes out the pool and she's just walking away and he goes, Mickey! <laughs> He's dead! He killed him! Him, him, him crying and, over his watch was fucking yeah. hilarious to me. I and really under the tree, that... the the two of them where where he's he sings he's that singing. song. And yeah. uh, she's talking like very softly, and there's a duck just quacking in the background. He goes, Shut up! <laughs> and he's, talking to the, he's talking to the duck, not her. Oh, Zed. I hope now that COPs is over, it won't mean that we won't be seeing each other anymore. Shut up! Mm, not you. I meant, I meant the duck. Attention. This is Mrs. M. There's been a jailbreak. Zed, ten four. It's he is bringing so much more to this than anyone else. It needed I it, think, I think, because even yeah. from even after the first one, it needed an injection of something just anarchic and weird. And I, the the, yeah. the episodes with him in are my favourites. You know, because the one thing I will say, Matt, is in going back to watch this series, very hard for me to call these films like mm. as a purist because they're not films. Like I was watching it thinking, well, how do I define a film? Shot on film, okay, tick, but a film. <laughs> mm, maybe not. Your budget of mine, Scorsese and Marvel. This, it this made 150 cinema. million at the cinema, Gally. This is not cinema. The first counts just about. I think the first hangs together as something of a film. I think it's the sequels, and I think it's this one. As much as I like it, I think this one is possibly the worst in terms what, of like, structure. How badly mm. it's thrown together. It's all higgledy yeah. piggledy Because Miami <laughs> feels like there is. It's a high say spot. some purpose. It's a well, high something spot. Something interesting yeah. happened. It, it, maybe we. Did you just say we hit an iceberg? Because that's about well, maybe. Uh, did you say? Or, a high or the analogy could be that the police academies are like an iceberg, where they seem small on the top, but below there is depth. <laughs> <laughs> like four, four is when it's it's. We're, we're into the ground at this point. They're, they've done everything to death. And then five, they started injecting more of a plot, like with the um, 
uh, Lassard is kidnapped and he thinks it's a police procedural, but it's actually a real kidnap. Gag, gag works the whole a, way through. All the way it through it works. Um, five might be a better film, but it's not as representative as, uh, of the series. As no, four. you're right. You're right. Uh, because you yeah. need to see the wheels come off to see where all the problems lie. And then six also has a plot and seven has a plot. And I don't know if the films are better for it. Maybe the films are better for it. But, you know, it doesn't have Zed. Zed's not in them. Six, um, going back to, to, to rewatch Six, and I hadn't seen it very much. I didn't remember it as well as any of the others. It is um, all credit to Peter Boners. It is uh. the probably best made film of the six, despite the fact that it didn't cost very much money. They were missing, like, key members of the cast. It is the most coherent. It actually it looks has the good. best sequences actually... at times. It like the Flintstones yeah. bit in the in the truck, yeah. the window washing sequence it's... with ha- with Harris. It's really like it is solidly executed at every point. Unfortunately, at this point, they realized that their main audience was children, so it is legitimately a children's film. Like it is fully and entirely, it's like indistinguishable from any number of like late eighties, early nineties actual kids films. It's three little ninjas at Mega Mountain or whatever. It's, mm. It has no appeal to anyone over the age of about ten. Which is, would you say this is still still aiming for the low teen? Demographic. I think you're, yeah, you're kind of because we've still got I, like big boobs and nipples and maybe the cartoon yeah. crowd because the kids <laughs> that watch the cartoon have grown up a little bit. So may, maybe six then, is aiming think, towards the cartoon mm, crowd. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas I think in four, they're still kind of indiscriminately just blasting it out into the general public and hoping that most people will find it passable. You know, you've got skateboards, which is yeah, the, the skateboard sequence was infuriating as well. I must yes, say, yes, it it's just yeah. you just. I mean, it, even if you're going to have it in, fine, but it's far too long. Yeah. By the way, I'm just going to because I've I've sounded very negative, but the the end sequence I thought was actually pretty pretty cool. Um, you know, it's all done real balloons, real. Planes. I quite like the way it's shot. I love all the aerial mm. stuff and the planes and the stunts. It's move all... aside, Christopher Nolan and the Dark Knight Rises. You know, I think uh, <laughs> looks a bit like uh, that stuff in uh, Blackadder goes forth. Um, there's there's a lot of planes. Well, the, the, the red, when Tackleberry does the jump uh, on, yeah. and, and I was like, oh, that you know, I know he's not jumping from the air onto Bloom, but, but we yeah. see someone land on it. It's just yeah, good. Yeah, it's yeah. cool. The fact that we jump to an air show for no other reason than let's <laughs> have an air show because mm-hmm. it doesn't like the big action sequences become more and more disjointed from the rest of the film. Um, one and two kind of are at least in universe. It's like a random riot kicks off, but at least it's in the town where they're policing. But three, the jet skis thing of like the country club <laughs> is across a lake. So we have to get jet skis. Um, <laughs> when you were saying about like badly planned, you know, when Mahoney starts pointing out that the country mm. club's over there and it cuts to a step frame slow-mo <laughs> shot, which is one of the ugliest shots I've ever seen in my life of just some water. They didn't even mm. get an establishing oh. shot. Of the, of oh my the- God. Like, yes. It's, I saw that. That's mad. It's like, what are yeah. they even looking at? They, don't worry about mm. it. They, they won't notice this. The idiots with their popcorn. <laughs> they won't even be looking. It is kind of mad, isn't it? Because, you know, we, we, you know, I think there's a lot of people, um, in probably 2024 that that are kind of decrying the the landscape the cinematic landscape and and obviously police academy is there as a series is not something that's going to live long in the memory of anybody I, like i forget hey. gags certain certain gags but, it's got its own stunt show at theme parks oh, jesus no way but, 
Where? This Academy stunt show, Warner Brothers, and yeah, oh uh, pa- uh, France and somewhere else. Fred, your assholes, Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at, at the risk of putting the boot in even more, do you want to talk about uh, diversity, representation, uh, any, anything there? We've talked about Hooks and Hightower a little bit. Do you feel like these are positive depictions of the African-American community? Is anyone happy with these? Uh, Winslow? These depictions. Winslow, too. Who's the I Japanese officer? Uh, Nagata, the guys with Callahan, yeah, Brian, Brian Touchy, I think yeah. it's called. I think they're quite um, neutral depictions. There's nothing malicious. Even even the King Willie scene, I don't mm. think it's going in with malicious intent. Or Harris says something extremely offensive in the first film. Uh, and the third, someone says something offensive in the third one. I'm trying to remember. The first and second are pretty bad. Mauser has a Mauser, yes, thank you. Mauser has some bad lines. De- Devlin sent me something that was very revealing. I don't even know if I can read it. It just says, oh my God, Matt, the bit in their first assignment. And then it just went on to describe the scene where there's... Uh, where Mauser has sent them into a, a tunnel. Well, Mauser uh, says things about the Japanese guy as well, doesn't he? Like, okay, he calls him it, a it, fried shrimp and stuff. Yeah, and does. Uh, yeah. Sa- is he calling him a samurai? I can't remember. What Sushi chef, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, yeah. it's, it's the Japanic of the eighties revealing itself again. Yeah. Discussed in uh, Fatal Attraction for no reason. There is mm-hmm. just some Japanic in that as well. But yeah, the, yeah. The, the aftermath of the tunnel scene, Matt, is. Uh, it's very disturbed because his face his face is covered in soot, so he's essentially blacked up at that oh, point. Oh yeah. And Mauser does a minstrel yes. voice. Yes. Yeah. Do you think uh, I don't know if it's a hot take, but um Hightower could be a positive example for you know, as an African American man on screen at, the, at that time in the eighties. He's gentle, he defends himself only when necessary. He has leadership qualities and people respect him. Exactly, and all of his physical retaliations are usually, uh, you know, because of a racist abuse, yeah. being demeaned or talked down to some way. Yeah. He's actually a flower salesman. That's his profession, uh, you know, flowers mm. and shit in the original. <laughs> and he cares for his dog. He yeah. does. And Hooks is a lovely, gentle woman who likes to sing Christmas carols when she's driving. And she only yeah. unleashes that harsh streak when she needs to subdue a baddie or... In, in Get, the face yeah, of somewhat like, more racist abuse, like in the first one, which is, you know, particularly nasty in the first film. From, from I guess like, when you compare it to something like Animal House, which is one of its immediate predecessors, Animal House is so white and calls mm. attention to how white it is when the when the kids from the frat try and go and see the band again mm, yeah 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 in an actual African American club, and then it becomes really uncomfortable yeah. when the uh, yeah, that scene sucks. Um, so in this one, at least, it's like it's an admirably diverse cast, and by mm-hmm. the time you get to sort of film three, four, five, like they, they are just part of the ensemble, and the race really doesn't. Come no, it doesn't. If anything, I would say that if it wasn't live action actors, I I think the comparison is with like the Looney Tunes Rose Gallery of characters, where mm-hmm. they've all got a, some stick or they've got a one liner, typically like, just um, one thing. Like hook, yeah, okay. hooks is like the the little uh, what's the character in Looney Tunes that's dead, dead quiet, and then uh, Tweety Pie. Tweety, yeah, it's, it's almost like a Tweety Pie yeah. type. I think uh, Devlin's right though about like the um, it, it felt like a very natural way to get a diverse cast together. That this idea that the the original premise is that anyone, race, height, weight, religion, gender, 
should have the right to be a cop in a in a multicultural America. And that's maybe worth the film being made just to say something as positive as that. But yeah, is yeah. The only thing they the only thing they don't do is, and as I say, I think this just speaks of of the eighties. Is you know there is still huge homophobia about, so there yeah. there isn't like a a positive gay representative on the team yeah, in in Reagan's eighties. No. Yeah, no is, chance. No. Chance. Is anyone but, on this cast or crew like smart enough to be Trojan horsing that stuff in? And I'm I'm not sure if. If, if that's what's happening here if we want to use the, the 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 phrase problematic i think this is the first film that doesn't particularly have anything that i would describe beyond the uh voodoo resurrection which is very silly um <laughs> I, I didn't problematic. i didn't realize that was as offensive as you're sort of implying but i wouldn't have kind of i honestly i wouldn't have clocked it as i would have just clocked it as no. like um, it's a dumb, silly gag. Yama, like. yama, yama. It's just nonsense. It's not real, yeah. is it? The, the most offensive thing is that that joke goes on so long. That's the most... Some of the earlier films, it's like, I think the way that they approach race in the first one is obviously going to be very clumsy and very white, but also you are very much on the side of the not racist. Copeland's car has a fucking Confederate flag on the front and it gets destroyed. And that's supposed to be a win. He gets smacked in the face with a tray. He deserves it. He deserves every terrible thing that happens to him because he is a racist. And Hightower is, you know, usually commended as the main kind of guy at the end. But um, the teasing of Brian Tochi's character in 3 mm. doesn't feel like it comes from the same place. No. I think they are having a laugh at the expense of a Japanese guy. But But I will say that it is... Things like that, for me, yeah, I agree with that. But also... I do see that they're making more of the bad guy and the bad person, making them more of an antagonist and more reason to hate them because they are a hateful person. Yeah, yeah in this as a visual cue, they're 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 flying around in Nazi plays, <laughs> and our good guys are in what yeah. look like Spitfires. So Ooh, you know, speaking of right, because I feel like this edit must have been a fucking shambles. Where the fuck is Randall Tex Cobb? <laughs> uh, I love Randall Tex Cobb, and when he turns up in the prison cell playing uh, uh, Simon Says... Oh, it's great, Simon, is it? Yeah, he disappears, though. He's the yeah. best bit when he's doing when he his, just goes Come on, let's play. Yeah. Same, same year as, like, Raising Arizona, so, you know, it's, this is prime Tex territory here. And he just disappears. He's not in the finale. Isn't he in one of the... He gets pulled over in one of the planes, doesn't he? But he doesn't do anything. Yeah, he's the one that is the final plane that they climb onto and pulls the gun on. But he's not the guy that gets the gun pulled on him. Isn't it? The, the, a guy pulls a gun on Mahoney and Mahoney somehow gets the gun back off him. Mm. So we said that, like, Hightower is just not in the finale, is he? Maybe he, they had a thing. Maybe you... Delete soon. Because Tex ah. is big. So maybe him and Hightower have a separate like you know conclusion like i've got this is the most anticipated deleted scene since jesse ventura was in demolition man (laughs) (laughs) release the cut i was convinced that uh spade and his mate also were missing but then i remembered that they rescue yeah uh, you could argue that there's some setup because they did the pool skills and then yeah. They they rescue him from the water, but that's very kind, Gally. They're so they're so lame. We put a lot of emphasis on those kids. Is he SNL at that point? 
I think it's the year. I think he. I, mean, I think he got onto it after this. This yeah. is one of his introductions. It's He'll be better when Farley picks. And him a up. young Tony Hawk got fired from the job from the stunt team for goofing off. Can we say that one of the biggest growers? So I rewatched it last night properly because I'd been watching it piecemeal and kind of doing notes and stuff. And I thought this is not how you're supposed to watch these films. So I just watched it start to finish. When Callahan has to use the line, "There's some ninjas now." <laughs> I like the fact that it is so casual. In in three, uh, Jones and Nagata uh, invent rush hour. Yeah, That's, they invent rush hour. They do a bit of kung fu, buddy cop. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's what Brett Ratner was uh, influenced by, <laughs> <laughs> and I think Wayne's World was influenced by it as well for the um, the mouth moving. Oh, when he fights his dad, the Zang yeah, stuff, yeah. yeah, the mouth moving, and then the subtitle. It feel it felt like that. Mm-hmm. You know what? Um, the the more you kind of when you watch them all in really quick uh, succession, is that Jones or Michael Winslow, he runs out of bits. You can tell he's not been going back on stage and developing new material because in number six, he is still doing the song that goes. Yeah. For six films, he has. I thought we were listening to Winslow. (laughs) (laughs) He does do some Jimi Hendrix in six. Yeah. uh, yeah, But, and I think he did that on stage too when he, when he was kind of doing stand up or. Or whatever, but yeah, you're right. The Jones uh, deployment of the kung fu gag during the training was very much a case of, uh Winslow's got to get his shit in. So he gets in his gi and he does the dub, and then he does like a overly elaborate kata, and then that's it. I know, I know, we've talked about them a little bit before we, because I feel like I've been a bit bit negative, but I I do like Harris and Proctor. I think their dynamic works. More of them, please. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, both actors are like being uber professional and just kind of going, right, there ain't much here. So it's all about gurning and reacting and just kind of overemphasizing stuff. Even the stuff where, as I say, when Proctor's a slide in the prison cell, he goes, what they ask Nobody him, knows like, the no, trouble. Yeah, no, no, he's, <laughs> he's, I mean, I, I, see, if I were him, I would have also done the Adaka! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where were you in '87, girl? That's better. That's funny. I know. I'm just saying, like, they're, they're, I think they would have. If you just put the camera, <laughs> leave it rolling on them, they would have. They would have come up with stuff. Because even there's a shot where it's again, it's ADR, but I think it's Harris is like, it isn't gonna matter because you're gonna be dead. Yeah, when he's choking. Like, it's, it's, yeah. it's funny. How, how do you feel about Harris versus Mauser? Do, do you care? Oh, it's Harris all the way. Harris I, is better than Mauser. Yeah, he's way, 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 way better uh, for me. I like the what Mauser brings is kind of like he sort of looks a bit dirty, and he's quite a hulking physical presence. So like, and he is nasty. Yeah, he's yeah, ups the stakes with the nastiness. He suits the earlier films kind of slightly more acerbic edge, Uh, Mm -hmm. but like Harris is just so good and so expressive with his puckered little face. He's like a because he's so buttoned up and so like. And he's little, which makes it funnier. Yeah. You know, we've got the little Napoleon complex thing going. I, I believe yeah. that he's trying to make it to the top as well, more than I believe Mauser. Like, Harris will do literally anything to get yeah. to be the, uh, the commandant. I, I actually don't disagree with Harris's, ob, you know, objections. See, there are, they are idiots, and he's just trying to get to the top. Yeah, yeah but um, I, I like the fact that he's just like, well, you know, our salaries will be 
effective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. very yeah. true. He, he's also a great villain in Short Circuit, which is another mm. him, yeah. him versus Mahoney. Uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely your 80s go-to kind of uh, dis, uh, Dick Dastardly, isn't he, basically? Yes. goes up there with, like, <laughs> William Atherton and... Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he could have been in Ghostbusters uh, yeah. alongside yeah. and not have a dick. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, listen, Matt, I've been roped in. There's a new, there's a new academy starting. Um, it's called Criticism on Patrol, and I and, and we need to we need to get some recruits to tell us about what they thought of this here program. Let's just remind ourselves that journalism today is not what it used to be and people get paid peanuts and AI is taking over. So why don't we go back to some real life people telling us real truth? Hey, what do they think of Police Academy 4, colon, citizens, spelled with an S, on patrol? Well, our friend uh, Patrick Willems, who ma- made that uh, Police Academy video. Oh, we'll we, put it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll yeah. It it's, a good, notes. It's, a good, it's a good YouTube video. Well, he's everywhere. He's on Letterboxd as well. And he simply says, this one has ninjas in it, which is uh, how I like to, to, to classify it. Um, yeah, but his, his video is very good. You should check that out. Um, this, uh, or actually the first Police Academy, I, I had to go wider on this one. The 1984 original features in Roger Ebert's book, I hated, hated, hated this movie by Roger Ebert. Uh, <laughs> any, other, uh, any other classics in there? Did, did you see any <laughs> of the films that were listed? Well, uh, I saw the cover which he ironically does a Macaulay Culkin aftershave ah face. Oh, yeah, because he hated uh, Home Alone as well, didn't he? Didn't think he it was did. realistic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Loved Home uh, Alone 3, though. Fucking <laughs> hell. Uh, he said the first one is, uh, it, it's so bad, maybe you should pull your money and draw straws and send one of the guys off to rent it so that in the future, whenever you think you're sitting through a bad comedy... He could shake his head, chuckle tolerantly, and explain that you don't know what bad is. The latest dismal failure to try and rip off 1980s Airplane. Uh, I think this might be Siskel. He said it's kind of sort of funny. Uh, <laughs> it's a non-committal. Very yeah, very. I'm not sure if this is Siskel or Ebert, but he said, um, they said, some scenes are so pointless we can't even figure out why they're there. Uh, logic interfered again. He said this allegedly takes place in America, but it's unlike any police academy he's ever seen. So again, he wants realism. Uh, it's the Home Alone syndrome again. I think that was he, but um, Siskel blamed Canada and said that it was the Toronto sensibility creeping in. He said it was the Toronto sensibility creeping in as it was shot there. Siskel said <laughs> they cut away from what's funny. I found that very funny. Um, they were very puzzled and bemused by it. The setups for jokes are rarely paid off. Siskel thought it was more of an imitation of Private Benjamin, but it's nowhere near in that class. Uh, two thumbs down. Uh, and one of the most inept and idiotic comedies in a long time. But again, that's the original, not not four. I couldn't find their review of four. Mm, not seen movie 43, <laughs> lads. That's all I'll say. Well, <laughs> that was in the future. Yeah, that was yeah. still that was still glories yet to come. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. As I was trying to think, actually, you know, um, before we carry on with critics, uh, criticism on patrol, any, any like movie forty three is bad. Any other yeah. absolutely god awful worst comedies you've ever seen? No, Professor Two. Uh, I mean, you've got the the the, the hideous kind of post post Zucker Abrams and Zucker, but not them 
all the Friedberg and Seltzer movies, you know, epic movie, date movie, uh, meet the Spartans. Like this, sh- this shit just doesn't qualify as film. But that's like, probably the equivalent, right? Although that is, yeah. they are genuine spoofs. This, like I said, Matt, right at the beginning, mm. we are, we are saying this isn't a spoof of really anything. It's more of a showcase of just gags. Yeah. Like it's a yeah, it's a literally. Well, it's literally a situation comedy. Mm. What if anyone could join Police Academy? That's I think that's what means that it's not a spoof, is that nothing is ever presented like it would be presented in a real non-comedy cop movie. None of the police work is ever policey. We're basically saying that, before we get to our summary, there are worse things out there than the Police Academy <laughs> series. But were there worse things in the 80s? Like, imagine being a film critic at this point and you actually really feel like the, the, the art form and the medium is something that actually deserves to be, like, defended and that it, it can be ambitious and that it can really transport you somewhere. And they're like, you're going to go watch Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. <laughs> can you imagine? Well, if you, do, if you yeah. look at the top 10 or the top 16 for that week, uh, Ebert's not going to see this. Is he? He's going he's gonna to point towards Colour of Money or children of a lesser god or whatever it is somebody watched platoon and went fucking hell i need to go watch something completely different <laughs> <laughs> two tickets to citizens on patrol please that bit of naked gun where they go on the date to see uh they're coming out of the cinema and they're laughing oh, and joking yeah. and, they, and the camera just pans up and they've been to see platoon <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Did anyone did anyone review four specifically of like the kind of within the um within the era any of the big any of the big dogs you know a Maslin no. or a no. I couldn't find much on four itself <laughs> I had to go um, I don't think Maslin's reviewing four but <laughs> Empire gave it one star all oh, right who, who gave it one star Empire, Empire. magazine their, their summary was oh dear oh dear oh dear <laughs> <laughs> all right well Patrick. Mm. I'm ready. Pop quiz, hot shot. Pop quiz, guys. A reminder of the score in the new year that Matt is leading with eight, Devlin on seven, Gally with five. What is your buzzer, Devlin? Mackey! Mackey! I die! Oh, I love that so much. Uh, Matt, what's your buzzer, please? I think it was pretty clear. <laughs> and Galley, what's your buzzer? Imbecile, are you happy now? <laughs> Alright, fingers on your buzzers. Question one. Question one is What gun does Tackleberry wield? Devlin first. Is it a 44 Magnum? A 44 Magnum is correct. Well done. Devlin got that one. So, question two. Question two is, what comic book is Proctor reading while on the portal? Devlin. It's uh, Archie comic. Very good. Well done. Uh, Devlin racing away in two to the good there. But can you get the third question, Devlin? Which is, what lovable cartoon adorns Zed's inflatable in the pool? I think it was pretty clear. Matthew? I'm going to go Mickey. It's Mickey, isn't it? I'm afraid not. No, that's his wristwatch. Oh. Imbecile, are you happy now? <laughs> <laughs> Donald Duck. Nope. Sorry, not Disney. Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> is it Tweety? It is a Care Bear. Oh. <laughs> 
specifically blue rainbow bear or something. Blue love bear. Very good, Devon. You uh, start off the new year with another well, win there to tie up the series. Eight all with Matt. Well done. No, thank you very much, Patrick. Right, well, uh, that leads me only to ask uh, the pertinent questions. I will start with Matt because you've lived and breathed the series for some time now. Uh, let us know if you've got any final thoughts. Uh, and would you would you recommend Police Academy 4, Colin, Citizens on Patrol? Well, I found it really fascinating on a rewatch, and it's so far removed from today. And uh, these sort of strangely childlike films, but with nudity and homophobia and racism and sexism, body shaming. I could show a movie on your butt, fatso, is one of the lines uh, in, in one of them. Uh, there's no <laughs> slot for this in a 2023 or 2024 now, like studio, manifesto, calendar, whatever they do. And, uh, Fox uh, would show it, Matt. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Channel 5 struggled to get this on, but the, I, I, I just tried to pose the question, are the kids missing out or are we evolving in the right direction or is it a bit of both? Uh, but I I don't know if we came to the conclusion, you be the judge, but I'm, I'm not sure I can recommend it. Um, certainly not to... <laughs> your own pick love it when that happens <laughs> well that's interesting isn't it because i i knew we had to talk about it but i you were sort of a, kind of a, apologetic with some of your criticisms and you don't have to mollycoddle me i mean i'm i know it's not good <laughs> showing someone this and sort of watching their expression to see if they're getting it it's just it's the fool's errand really. i just don't I, I think it's a nostalgic <laughs> rewind pick only and that's what this is to sort of sometimes or initially those throwbacks that you you like to call them uh to revisit the films that formed us and, and influenced us and i think that's that's what the rewind podcast is about and uh it sacrifices some of the purity of, of those traditional police academy films for a lot of silly skateboard bits I, it's hard to justify all that um i watched it endlessly though and i know every stupid line of it and every frame of it John McTiernan memorized Francois Truffaut's Day for Night as a student, and I memorized Police Academy 4, colon, <laughs> Citizens on Patrol. Uh, this one is... You've, um, you've never been to prison, though, Matt, so that's the difference. <laughs> uh, I think it's for people to look back on and reminisce, and it, it's really fun to compare. And, and you know... Uh, I don't know if there's anything like it now. Maybe the Aubrey Plaza stuff that she was doing. Uh, I mentioned the sex comedy list and things like the to-do list and Bad Grandpa. And... They're very different films, though. They're very different to what was going on here. I don't think kids are missing out uh, by not seeing these. Um, but for people who enjoyed them to look back on them and, and reminisce with a 2024 mindset, uh, might be interesting, but like we've said, putting this under the microscope, it was not a good idea. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, don't edit them, don't censor them, and don't take them out of the public view. And I'm glad that ITV and Channel 5 are, are still still putting them on. I mean, you can, you can chop certain bits out if you want to. Patrick, how about you? Well, firstly, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it'd be. Just to come straight out and say that, I thought... It was going to be a lot worse. I had some vague opinion before I watched them all that Police Academy was half decent and I remember enjoying that and then the rest was shit. And I didn't, I didn't really feel that way. I thought they're, they're fine. They're kind of... What I liked about them and Citizens on Patrol is it was an easy watch. It really was. 
it was entertaining. I, I, I said earlier, I watched two and three with my grandma and she really enjoyed them and was laughing along. So it was, it was obviously working and I quite appreciated that and found that I did get some enjoyment and entertainment out of them. Your question, is it cinema that you posed earlier was quite interesting to me mm. and I, I'll put my heart out on my sleeve here and say, yeah, has an audience. It's comedy and light entertainment and it made money and. I think of things like the Taylor Swift concert film that was in cinemas recently. It's like, is that cinema? If it has an audience, I suppose it is. And I think that's what I think of these as well. They're not perfect. It's it's not, you know, like I'm saying, it's not shit. It's not great. (laughs) It's it's not like going to be anywhere near a conversation with my favourite comedies or anything like that. But they've always stuck with me from when I was a kid. I don't know what people... Matt's great question. how, How does... This generation of young people now watch it, think of it, and would they be talking about it in 20 years' time? Probably not. You know, um, the Mahoney, um, Hightower and Winslow, I think they were of a time. And when we didn't have such a quite wide selection of things, they've, they've, they have stayed with me. I was watching them. They remember, oh, I remember this joke. Oh, I remember this joke and quite enjoyed myself. Four is... I don't know. It's it's fine. It's uh, do I recommend it? Like Matt, I, I, if you're going to watch them, watch them. That, that's my recommendation. Um, I am now interested in watching five, six, and seven to see because mm. I, I don't quite remember them, but I do want. I do have. Do you think you'll enjoy me. the ones that have more of a plot, or do you think? Uh, the plotting, you know, what wasn't so much of an issue to me because I, I think it just washed over me. I think I joked midweek that my head just became just full of Jones noises. That's where I was at because I, you know, just put them on and was a bit brainwashed by it. Maybe a plot would take me out of that. Yeah, yeah maybe, I, I, maybe. But um, I laughed along, and so it did a job. And I smiled, and I I love the score. The score's a great little. Uh, it has a great riff on that, which is undeniable. Hmm. Performances, as good comedy performances. I, it, it, Gally, I agree with you that Gutenberg isn't the hero I remembered as a kid. For some reason, he is the leading man in my memory all those years ago, and no, nowhere near that. I much prefer, like Hook. I, I'm really missed Hook in four. I really wanted more of her, for example. And but Zed does come out, and I'm really glad they turned him from bad guy to police and kept him through. They obviously knew they're onto something with him, and he is very amusing. Um, I, I like his relationship with Sweet Chuck, and um, and with Laura, with um, lovely Corin Bayer. Uh, and uh, Gally, agree with you again. Harrison Proctor works for me as well. Mm. I like I like their dynamic, and it works for what it needs. And Assad is great. Yeah, um, but it has a lot of boring shit jokes don't land at all yeah um, thank you for being so positive there you've made me feel a little bit guilty like i i I wouldn't recommend it but i like it it's post christmas time and new year i watch from my grandma i'm on a little bit of a positive spin from there so i I had to offset you a little bit um he's not he's not been at work for like two weeks yet (laughs) grind hasn't got him uh galley a lot of things i agree with you there is that similar to you yeah i think so i I, listen i'm gonna out the gate, I can't. I can't recommend Police Academy for, the, for anyone who's not seen any of them. It's. I don't think you're going to miss 
anything by not seeing them. But actually, I think where the the value is is in as like a case study for the series and how you know, especially if you want to be super super strategic. Let's say I don't know, you're some kind of budding screenwriter, or you, you're a film historian who wants to understand, um, you know, kind of what things trend and what things don't, and how moving, you know, sensibilities changes taste and etc i think police academy is fascinating mm. from that perspective you know one of the things the reason why we spent nearly an hour before we got into the actual individual film just trying to understand what it was that really drew audiences in the 80s is because genuinely there is a, a fascination with how something that on the surface and i think was then confirmed in the behind the scenes stuff is quite lazily cobbled together you know the what mm-hmm. we don't have here is we don't have uh, a jim carrey vehicle or a you know we don't have like ah, the reason this works is because the star is elevating the material we have a bunch of no no stars really gutenberg's the only one but he's he's not a star in these he's just a star from elsewhere so if you you know you loved cocoon or if you loved three you know three men a little baby was a gigantic hit so or mm. everyone there got a big bump the one thing I found fascinating watching them is that they do not try and give you any insight into the police whatsoever. And I find that kind of fascinating <laughs> that you can have a film, you can have a whole series that runs the gambit of, is it eight films, seven films? Seven. They've got nothing to say about the police whatsoever. And that is kind of interesting. Maybe the first one is the only one where it's like, okay, what if you took, hmm. but every, all the rest of them, they, they don't really care. And I think that's quite interesting um so yeah i think it's a not recommend from me if you've never seen it if you love them though all power to you i can imagine like comic cons and stuff like that that if the actors came Hmm. you know they would they would draw a crowd of people that watched them as a kid uh so anyway yes that's my that's my summary devlin yeah it is a it is a fascinating case study um because you know we're saying that um a lot of worse has come after i can see a world in which there would be a lot of people who, while this was happening, would have been genuinely offended that this is what is passing for on-screen comedy. If you think that, like, we're not far removed from, like, I don't know, like a Neil Simon-type era of comedy or, you know, Woody Allen still being considered comedic material, there was, like, a, an, a bench... There was, like, a barrier for entry whereby you had to at least be witty. And the thing about the first one is it isn't like i don't think wit is a word that you can say about it it's like it's clumsy and lunk-headed but it gets by on just this kind of like ramshackle charm and you cannot overstate how important robert folk's theme is that song is so good that the main kind of march music that opens every film is so good that I think it legitimizes whatever boss, like total bollocks is going to follow. No matter how bad the films got, they always had that going for them. That it, it genuinely made them feel like a like an event, because the the films themselves are largely very televisual until they get to their finales, which is it's, it's interesting to send people out on the ten minutes where you actually bothered to hire a stunt crew and actually bothered to go to a location. The rest of the time, it is a TV sitcom, and you, you remix the. And everything burns itself out. And, you know, they didn't expect this to be a franchise. So they bolted parts on. I think they 
struck so lucky by catching Bobcat Goldthwait on the way up. He's probably only about 23, 24 in the original movie. Um, uh, and I just think that I think stealth, like he's the most important element of the films. And I think that um, certainly when I was a kid, that was who I attached to. When I rewatch them now, that's who I attach to. When he's gone, they feel airless and weird. Like nobody's pushing the 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 films in the sort of odd direction. To the extent that he's kind of siloed off. I don't know if you notice in so many of the scenes. I think they knew in three especially. There's a bit where um, there's a whole fight scene going on and everyone's on jet skis and it's all quite well integrated. And then there's a random sequence of Zed on his own on some grass near some trees with no geographical indication of where the fuck he is having his own side quest. And I think it's because they knew as they got to the end of the film, it's like, this is flagging. Where's the funny voice guy? I I noticed that. And he's got the police uniform and not a wetsuit as well. And that's totally deliberate. They just needed to parachute him back in. And you can tell they literally went out back. back Is that where he like punches two guys at the same time and then sort of breaks the fourth wall and does a, does a laugh? Yeah, I think they were just like, this is flagging. Bring mm-hmm. the audience is going to wonder where funny voice guy is. Yeah. Um, and do you think that hurts the original too, Dev? Because he's not in the first one. Uh, I think the original kind of gets, you know, gets by on what it is. I think, yeah. Mm. Mahoney's like a, a jerk, but you can't deny that, like, Gutenberg did have that little bit of that whatever it is that stars have where you end up, you are watching him. That dissipates very quickly. In the first one, he just about holds the center of the film, just about. Right, so where can, I mean, you know, because we've really told them that they need to go out and see these, where can our listeners uh, find the Police Academy series, and in particular, Police Academy <laughs> called Colon Citizens on Patrol? Charity shops. Now, that, Yeah, Patrick, you go first. I've, I found them, all, it was mad, and over Christmas... Uh, I was up at mum and dad's up in um, uh, sea houses. I went into a charity shop, and it, the first shop I came to was just one, two, three, four, five, six. <laughs> just DVDs all stacked on top of each other. Quidditch. Wow. Okay. Uh, Quidditch, or it was two for a pound fifty, something like that. There you go. Wow. Well, if you want to start at one, and that's as good a place as any. Uh, the and if you're in the USA, Amazon, Vudu, Apple, DirecTV, Spectrum. Java, Africa. Spectrum's new. I haven't had that one before. Yeah. Uh, and UK friends, uh, you can, I think you can stream the first one on My5, which is the Channel 5 on demand app. And then it's exactly the same for the rest of the series in terms of uh, the USA and the UK, a- apart from My5. My5's uh, got the original. But the rest of them, UK, Amazon, Apple, Google Play, Sky Store, Rakuten TV and youtube for the the rest of the series it's all rentals unfortunately yeah um, some of us have been uh watching them off the um system at work for free um for the last several months and then that system fucking went down for maintenance over the weekend so one of us had to rent that film individually last night for three pounds fifty oh yeah that's a deep burn I know, I should have bought a DVD box. I do yeah. have to mention the Shout Select DVD release that just came out last November, which apparently has new transfers and bonus features, but it, it's physical media and it's not Blu-ray or 4K, so I don't know who's buying that now. 
I mean, if you don't get the the up res, if you don't get that full HD, are you really admiring all of the <laughs> sparkling visuals and crystal yeah, clear sound? I've seen episodes of Columbo in the first season being shot better than this, um, I must mm. say. But there we are. Uh, God bless. Um, right. Well, no, thank you very much, Matt. Um, so devs, it, it's a new year and things can be a bit tight. You know, people tend to bunker in in January mm. uh, after all the big spending over Christmas and New Year. Yep. However... However, there is always a birthday, some fucker that you know whose birthday is in January and you've got to get something for them. So why don't you tell our listeners where they can uh, source our merchandise and because they will read again, people will, um, where they can find our blogs and other stuff. Well, as Matt mentioned, he has uh, had a draft in place of an epic over at rewindmoviecast.com. So uh, head there first, obviously. Uh, and then while you're on re- uh, rewindmoviecast.com, head up to the shop tab and follow the link to T-Mill for our extremely reasonably priced selection of movie-related T-shirts. <laughs> it's winter, so we got jumpers. Oh, nice. Sweatshirts. Turtlenecks? Uh, no. Ah, shame. <laughs> Just regular sweatshirts. It's got some okay. hoodies as well. Um, poster prints, stickers, all that kind of stuff. Got some rewind merch, but mostly it's stuff from off of films that we like. Will, will there be anything Police Academy related? There, um, there's a bingo board, but I didn't finish it. In in the future, there could be a tote bag with some with some Police Academy bingo, but I just can't be asked. <laughs> <laughs> there are some move it, already, move it, move it. There's already some very good uh, tipple totes for the uh, for the drunken bingo. Ah, yes, rewind, uh, rewind merch shops. You have a little look at those. There may be something for Police Academy. Have a little click. You'll never know until you click on the website. This could be the future that you're listening to this in. Yeah. If you like what we do and you feel like doing something generous in the new year, then please like, share, subscribe, spread the gospel team. Okay. Um, it brings more people to the party, which is what we want. And also, we've had a <laughs> we've had a we've had a listener request uh, straight Uh-oh. away from the new year. Uh, it's a little bit. Um... Which town are they from? <laughs> Beaverville. Have you left that behind in 2023? Have you? Yeah, I've left that kind of goofiness behind. I'm older, wiser, Bullshit. and less mature. Now I'll I'll name such a such town and uh, listener when we get to it. But Blade Runner. Was the one that uh, the chap mentioned? Oh, so it's you another know, uh, lad company. Yeah, hey. well, we've got to. You know, we we are very serious on the show, as you can tell from the first episode of twenty twenty four. So this is what we do. Um, but yes, of course, we will be doing so that wiggly. at some point. Uh, we're going to finish off <laughs> our our Jaws series. Um, don't think Christmas is over because it ain't. We're off to Barbados. <laughs> yes. Um, and then we're also going to finish off our Alien and Predator series this year. So oh, these, wow. these things. We might even kick off a new one that will take us five years to complete, because that's what we do. <laughs> um, but what we're not going to do is not going to run the gambit on Police Academy, hence the one big long episode um, <laughs> that we've just done. Right. Um, but yes, if you do, then please like, share, subscribe, spread the gospel. That's what we want. And appreciate everybody that follows us to this point. Thank you very much. We very much appreciate it. Thanks very much for the pick, though, Matt. Oh, well, well, I should be thanking you. You've had to sit through these things. So uh, <laughs> I, I'm very I'm very happy that you at least got something out of it in terms of, you know, comparing it to other films that exist. And um, I learned that Corinne Borra is in three different episodes of Murder, She Wrote, and I'm going to go watch all three of them. And she's one of Joey's girlfriends in Friends. 
Yeah. Oh, good show. Yeah, very good, very good. Well, there you go. There you go. You add that to your trivia board, along with the Citizens on Patrol, is an acronym for COP, which is slang for a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> so there we go. That's the kind of insight you're going to get for the rest of the year. Can't wait for Blade Runner. <laughs> <laughs> Some of these people are robots. Are they? I've seen things like Police Academy 7, Mission <laughs> Moscow. People will never believe. <laughs> <laughs> it's Gally in Glasgow. Stay safe and Happy New Year. Icky blue uniforms. It's Devlin in London. Get your hands off of my ass, Proctor. It's Patrick in London. Thanks, guys. I didn't write it. It's Matt in South Korea. Oh, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you next time on the Rewind Movie Podcast. Thanks.